Hello and welcome to Russians with Attitude. It is uh, the seventh day of the war. And we are broadcasting from a bunker in the Ural Mountains where we are hiding from the victorious Ukrainian army. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because as much as we praised uh, Karin's analysis, the war hasn't ended uh, in three or four days. Why? Well, Ukraine wasn't nearly weak enough to begin with. Uh, a lot of people thought for some reason that Ukraine was a defenseless African-tier country. Maybe because of all those wooden guns, right? LGBT propaganda, uh, people in the West thought it was uh, pathetic. It wasn't. It's quite literally the strongest army in Europe. Oh outside yeah, aside Russia. from Russia, yeah. Uh, 200,000 army with uh, 800,000 in reserves, late Soviet tech. Some of it was modernized uh, recently, like tanks, uh, modern Western weaponry that was sent to them, uh, various tank factories, uh, grad missile systems, etc. Uh, as Strelkov said, uh, Russia, Russian initial strikes were too sparing and uh, time was lost. So, in the same time, Western countries uh, perceive Russians as a Mongolian horde. Ruthless, absolutely ruthless to civilians or something like that. Sadly, we aren't. We aren't. We are too civilized. And that's a problem. Because as uh, you probably heard and uh, saw uh, Stilkov's analysis, Russian airstrikes did not strike uh, military barracks at the first day. The AFU was spared, basically. Also, we hit uh, 50k recently. On Twitter, thanks to you. And uh, some people might think that uh, it's a large team running this account. But actually, it's uh, mostly just Kirill. Sometimes I help him. But really, it's just uh, because of the Kirill has either special powers or special needs. That's why <laughs> it's so powerful. But it's not because, uh, sadly, there is a huge team running it. You probably heard that Russian losses were catastrophically large. I don't think that they were, and we will try to prove it. But uh, right now it's just outlandish claims at random. Two, five, ten thousand casualties, whatever. With no proof uh, to instill in people's minds that the West knows that Russia will win, right? So they doing the groundwork to make people believe that it will be a Pyrrhic victory. That's the point uh, of all this reporting. Also, they now peddle the economic collapse meme with uh, red lines pointing downwards using currency speculation graphs on uh, Forex. American normies are now convinced that the dollar equals a million rubles or something. Funny fact, uh, Yandex and Google both show different information on ruble rates. Yandex shows uh, 90, whereas uh, Google shows 110, which is a total joke. It's around uh, like 100, right? The real rate, uh, the real course. It's identical to Japanese yen. So this argument is uh, kind of dumb to begin with. And another thing that I noticed is that um, they are clearly peddling the genocide line. So when Russia wins, they will claim that uh, it was a genocide of Ukrainian people. And the economy has collapsed and uh, Russia lost a bazillion people uh, in the process. So it was a pathetic, pyrrhic victory of new Hitlers. 
a lot of informational war barrage of it, uh, and only now has recently the Ministry of Russian Defense has uh, declared the amount of casualties. Yeah, the official uh, casualty reports came out today, which say that so far the Russian armed forces, in the Russian armed forces, 40, 498 soldiers have paid the ultimate price, uh, 1,597 wounded, and at the same time they're reporting 2,870 fallen in the Ukrainian army. So from the Russian perspective, these, uh, I mean, these uh, numbers sound very realistic to me. They align with what I hear from people who are there right now. They align with the MOD leak from a few days ago, where uh, it was leaked that so far the Russian army had lost 270 soldiers. So it all lines up, and I think it's more or less accurate. And the Ukrainian casualties were... Yeah, the Ukrainian casualties, it's unclear what is counted as Ukrainian casualties because it's unclear if it's just the armed forces of Ukraine or if it includes various paramilitary units that are not officially part of the Ukrainian army. So it's hard to judge. And also, of course, the Russian MOD, the numbers it has for the other side's military will be less accurate, of course, than for their own. That's just to be expected. It also has... um, the general who made the statement uh, about the casualties has also said that he wants to underline and to emphasize that the Russian army, um, the Russian army group involved in the operation has no conscripts. It's all uh, professional soldiers on a contract. And also he said some episodes from the war Yes, so General Konoshenkov has said that the Russian soldiers and officers are fighting bravely in the special military operation, as it is called by the MOD. Uh, He said that, for example, he named some examples, a tank under the command of Sergeant Nimchenko, a Ukrainian family name, by the way, um, on the front lines after in a 40-minute firefight destroyed nine enemy vehicles, uh, six tanks and three Btr 80s and also over 90 fighters of nationalist formations. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the abundance of Ukrainian surnames in Russian army is huge, uh, also in DNR and LNR uh, especially. Yes, of natural. course, because, because uh, it's impossible to, to really, uh, like, so the difference, right? It's uh, there are a million forms in between between Russians and Ukrainians, and mm, yeah, it, it absolutely happens that you have like some Mikola Sidorenko fighting in the Russian army, and on the other side you have Ivan Petrov in the Ukrainian army. That absolutely happens a lot. But in general, uh, Ukrainians were very loud on social media. They were doing psyops upon psyop uh, with uh, everything they've got. The attacks on Russian social media are completely... Um, it's really crazy out there. Like yeah. uh, Instagram, for example, Russian Instagram is completely taken over by Ukrainian war propaganda. Uh, they are buying ads. They are incredible at Infowar. Yeah. I'll grant them that because a lot of Ukrainians live abroad in Canada, in Germany, in the US, much more so than Russians even. And they're all ideological, unlike Russians. 
I read a joke today about uh, two Russian soldiers walking through occupied Washington, D.C., and one telling the other, like, Vasya, you know what? I think they have, I, I think they are winning the information war. <laughs> That's a funny joke, yeah. Ukrainian population might seem like brave, uh, valiant fighters against Russia, but in I think in reality it's a silent majority that is either indifferent or neutral or tacitly supportive of Russian advances. But they are afraid to speak because there are actual uh, paramilitaries that will fuck them up if they uh, say something wrong on social media. So. Absolutely, absolutely. There are multiple factors at play here. Um, I think in the military or in the paramilitary formations, especially in the like and stuff like the Azov, Aidar, Donbass battalions, uh, I think these people know that they are going to die. And uh, but I think uh, some of them will probably fight to the death, and uh, some of them are just so full of hate that they will uh, like do some shit until the end but in the peaceful population among civilians i think it's like a defensive mechanism i mean no one likes uh, waking up to explosions right like no one wakes up to an explosion and thinks yay fuck yeah great that just doesn't happen some kino has dropped <laughs> outside the <our> window <laughs> yes and then you have the fact that uh, they are really just killing people like they call these people saboteurs you can find dozens of these videos uh, circulating on ukrainian social media about russian saboteurs being shot or like uh, tied linked, to the trees yeah. or, or, or tied to trees and stuff like this it, uh, it it really happens and a lot of that is uh, just random violence or personal vendettas i guess but also the political persecution is extreme right now. There was also and a if... funny joke about uh, Kyiv unrest. Some guy shot another Ukrainian in Kyiv and uh, his friend asks him, Vasily, uh, why did you shoot uh, the man? Didn't you owe him $500? And he replies, no, he was a Russian saboteur. Yeah, so people are really afraid. I mean, literally, if you went out on the street with a Russian flag right now in any Ukrainian city, you would be killed immediately. That is just the reality. But if you go out with Ukrainian flag in Moscow, you will not be killed. Uh, you, uh, the worst case scenario, you will be arrested, maybe. Uh, yeah. But uh, the general public will not care at all because this uh, animalistic hostility is not present in Russian society to the, towards Ukrainians. So maybe uh, that's the Ukrainian argument because they're really the Aidar, the Azov or even the regular FAU are more motivated to fight for their supposed uh, fatherland, right, than the Russian so-called invaders, because they don't harbor any real animosity to, towards Ukraine. Well, except, uh, uh, except uh, forces in the Donbass Republic. Well, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, Lugansk and Donetsk really hate their guts. But Russians from the contra contract army, I don't think that uh, they feel one way or another. It's just professional for them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it has a patriotic element i mean i guess they feel more like they're they're liberating these territories like they are freeing these people from like uh, 
criminal regime. That's the general mood, I believe. Yeah, because people really got tired of uh, hearing about Ukraine this, Ukraine that uh, for a decade now. It's so tiresome, it, uh, it never goes away, it never changes. So uh, there is hope that we will somehow solve this whole problem, right, by uh, military means. But uh, still, yeah, there is a lot of confusion on the future of the operation. So let's say Mariupol is uh, captured and uh, cleaned up, right? Kharkov also and Kiev, right? Uh, mm-hmm. What next? The Russian army is not that numerous, as Trelkov says, as everyone says. So they really have uh, struggle, uh, struggling to capture even those three cities right now well i mean it's not i mean the struggle with capturing the cities is not a manner it's not a question of manpower well uh the cleaning up is i think right various uh, gangs and etc yeah it's a a question of restraint the pacification will be more problematic but that's exactly why the frontline russian troops were followed by national guard and uh, amon sober and uh, other stuff like this they will participate in the uh, pacification of any guerrillas or terrorists, criminals. Like I've been thinking about this, it's, it, it, it will really fucking suck. Like even if Russian troops just evaporated right now, then Ukraine is a country that has no bridges anymore because they've blown them yeah, all up. Yeah, I also thought about the Russian it. Yeah. They have blown up all the railways. They have no airports anymore. Who is like... going to pay for all this to rebuild it? Uh, Russia? I don't think that we could handle it uh, in the in this economic sanctions uh, <laughs> cycle. It's really we uh, barely rebuilt uh, Crimea and we did. It was beautiful, but Crimea was not after the war, after the aerial bombing, right? It was just dilapidating. Uh, but the entire huge Ukraine, who is going to pay for all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Is this uh, just a, a Fallout game LARP territory from now on? It's, it's just ridiculous, really. Mm-hmm. Or the Chinese, maybe the Chinese contractors, uh, because I feel that's up uh, for them to take care of for some reason. And who is going to pay for all this stuff? It's an open question, I guess. And I really don't understand the strategy. What is uh, going to be uh, new Ukraine, right? Uh, what amount of territories will be alienated from it? Uh, I, I have no idea. Well, I think personally the most likely scenario is that uh, Ukraine will get regime change. On uh, Medvedchuk will replace Zelensky or something like that. Um, yeah, some have been floating around Muraev also. I guess we'll see. Well, of course, I think the LNR and DNR will eventually become part of Russia after referendums. Crimea, it, it will be a will, buffer will, will zone. Maybe yeah. they will uh, like make a corridor from Donbass to uh, Crimea. So like part of Novorossia, maybe all of Novorossia. But I think the first step is just a regime change in Ukraine and then maybe putting Ukraine in the CSTO and mm. then you can and then you can have like referendums with But what about the population? Uh, because 
not a majority of course but a large chunk of ukrainian population was heavily propagandized to hate russia right so they're either gonna leave for eu or they're gonna sabotage in any way possible the existing new regime i mean people accept stuff like this really fast i mean not fast in personal terms but in historical terms i mean it took 30 years or even less i mean like 2015 16 17 so like let's say 25 years one generation to turn ukrainians from brothers into sworn enemies so i'm pretty sure it will only take one generation to turn them back into brothers especially since there is no objective reason to hate each other like it doesn't exist let's imagine this future where ukraine is uh, in a csto uh, with a new administration etc uh, all the surviving azov guys uh, idar guys uh, w- w- ukrainian nationalists will flood uh, poland or whatever western country they will they will be working in uranium mines in siberia oh yet the baza then it's uh, gonna be just fine probably but uh, we'll see i've heard um it's not confirmed but i've heard that on the next le- next round of negotiations um they will talk about the men the question of evacuation of civilians and how to organize green corridors and uh, from what i've heard the russian side is insisting on having full control over all evacuations uh to make sure that these azov guys uh don't slip away disguised as refugees uh-huh. yeah that's so, uh, uh, the real uh, objective so... here but info warriors uh, info warriors ukrainian info warriors are not in the uh, azov battalion they're just uh, it guys whatever they're yes, civilians so they will not stop propagating uh, various stuff uh, against the new regime they yeah, will uh... fight on with the help of the US government yeah by the way uh, one of the funniest things that happened today was that uh, Andrei Bilecki the one of the founders of the Azov battalion he posted on his telegram channel uh, that the 95th uh, airborne brigade had taken control of Gorlovka and 10 minutes later uh, a local from Gorlovka posted a video of the uh, like of the city center of Gorlovka saying that he doesn't see either Bilecki or the 95th and he then proceeded to ask Bilecki if it was true that he was actually already in Israel <laughs> yeah I guess a lot of guys uh, are actually Zelensky was not present at the negotiations right uh, because I didn't see them actually mm-hmm. I'm just uh, guessing right so where is Zelensky right now what is your take on it Poland uh... Um, I'm pretty sure he's in maybe in Germany I think Poland or Germany is most likely mm-hmm. it's such a joke and su- such a cruel joke uh, for uh, I don't know really it's a uh, agreement there is a Galkovsky theory right uh, have you uh, watched uh, the latest streams of Dmitry Evgenievich no I haven't what did he say Yeah, uh, so Galkovsky said uh, in a live stream something along the lines of uh, Russia and US had an agreement before the war started. So uh, 
Um, I, I'm not sure what are the sources or the, the proofs are, but uh, still, uh, that it's all manufactured in a way. Uh, and if we are to believe it uh, for one second, it will be a cruel joke for Ukrainian territory, right? To turn it into a Fallout stalker type game, uh, probably forever, because, right, who is gonna rebuild the bridges? Large amount of money for already poor country. It wasn't the poorest country in Europe, it was the second poorest country in Europe uh, after Moldova, I think. Uh, and now it's gonna be the most devastated. Uh, and uh, can you imagine being a Kharkov citizen right now? Um, I actually have a, a friend in Kharkov right now. What are his thoughts? Well, he's hiding in the basement right now. He says the shelling was extremely nightmarish um, because at one point both Russian and Ukrainian forces were using Grad rocket yeah. artillery inside the city. And just uh, from literally every side, rockets coming in. I mean, it was not indiscriminate firing. They were. It was targeted firing, but still, there are a lot of stray rockets when you fire like this. And it was extremely heavy urban fighting, both sides taking huge losses. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And uh, he says uh, he's, he's trying to find out how to get to Russia. Mm, but it's really hard right now because uh, if you go to the north of the city where the Russian troops are, then the Ukrainians don't let you out. They just shoot people there. So if you try to leave Kharkiv and go in the direction where the Russians are, you just get shot. Um, it is possible to leave the city to the south, but even then it would be borderline impossible to get to uh, the Russian border or Russian-held territory. And even there, there are, there are like patrols uh, looking for people who are trying to get to Russian held territory and uh, very bad things happen to people who get caught by them so mm -hmm. he will probably wait it out in the basement he has food for a week food and water and he'll just wait until the city falls and then just uh... wonder what kind of food Doshorak <laughs> I'm gonna ask him <laughs> yeah that's really interesting because does he even have a Chinese <laughs> uh, to <laughs> boil the dosharak. It's really nightmarish, yeah. yeah. And he's also very worried because um, well, the Ukrainians are taking up position in civilian homes. Uh, just yesterday he was like really scared because the, ap the apartments next to his, it was empty. And then yesterday he heard people entering there and like moving heavy things around. And he was uh, really scared that it was Ukrainian soldiers uh, placing weapons there, like, I don't know, anti-tank weapons or machine guns. And that uh, <clears throat> his house would just get blown apart. So that's why he went out into the basement. This whole war is a genocide against uh, late Soviet technology. And, yeah, and also architecture. Soviet architecture, yes. Because it's it's all being blown up. It's... Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not uh, such a cheerleader for this war, and I I don't believe that any Russian even is because we are not such people, and also we have a lot of uh, nostalgia and uh, and understanding that uh, a lot of people in Ukraine are actually good and decent people, and they are suffering for yeah, of nothing. Course. Uh, of and course, that's, I mean, no yeah. one in Russia wants large-scale bloodshed in Ukraine. 
Yeah. No one wants that. Everyone wants the war to be over as quickly as possible. What do you think uh, in the aftermath uh, of the war? Will Russian officials actually face the Hague No, tribunals? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they will do some of their own for a certain class of people in Ukraine who like to wear certain old German symbols on their uniforms. If these people live to a tri- tribunal, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it will be fantastic if they won't, because I hope uh, not a lot of Russians uh, stayed in the Azov battalion uh, who moved there in 2014, because it's such a it's such a disaster, really. All, all of this is such a... Uh, I, I mean... don't know. Yeah. What they are doing in, in Mariupol right now, it's really disgusting. Even foreign uh, media are writing about it. I have uh, Indian and Greek uh, media are speaking about it because there are uh, like Indian students in Kharkov. And um, apparently an Indian student was shot by Ukrainian soldiers um, for some reason. And they are they are not letting the Indian students out of the city. And in Mariupol, the same thing happened with Greeks. There is a larger Greek minority in Mariupol, and uh, they are also facing this problem of Azov not letting them out of the city. And I've seen today that even Greek newspapers are writing about it. It's a really terrible... Problem, yes. That Azov battalion, I I think their ideology is literally internet-derived. It's not it is, yeah. organic. It's just people who speak Russian who uh, spent a lot of time on the Russian image boards and gone insane. So that contributes to a deeper level of insanity. Because, yeah, imagine just uh, sitting on the internet and uh, joining the paramilitary battalion and uh, killing people. Well, you can probably imagine it, but it's actually real. The ideology of theirs... It's absolutely fake, and it's built on memes, on anti-Russian memes that were propagated on Russian 4chan. Uh, this is uh, incredibly, yeah, stupid. This whole region was never really civilized. Well, it was probably when in the Jesuit times or whatever, <laughs> uh, in the 17th century, but after that it's uh, such a disaster for europe and i think the aftermath of the this whole conflict will be the anglo-americans taking the whole benefit of the the war right and europe and russia and ukraine suffering so there is nothing to really cheer about other than the the persecution of the azov criminals and uh, guys like that at least one thing that is 100 positive about this in my opinion is the liberation of donbass Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, but Americans will be really winning. I'm not seeing American losses so far. They're really great, I think, with their geopolitical strategy, with economical uh, prosperity. It's only Europe that is suffering, that will suffer, and mm-hmm. also Russia and Ukraine. So it's just like in any other war where... US is profiting because it's so far away. Yeah. Yeah. What do you expect uh, will happen in the following days? Uh, in the following days, I expect... Um... Will there be any kettles? I like to call them kettles, <laughs> not the cauldrons or whatever. 
I mean, yes, of course, uh, there already is one around Mariupol. Yeah. And then the big one, the big one everyone's talking about, the complete encirclement of all the Ukrainian troops in Donbass. It's yes. a possibility. I think it will take another one or two days to be to start really the cattle there, the cauldron, um, because I'm not sure it's possible to really complete these, this encirclement without taking Harikov. It's, yeah. I mean, it's possible to complete the encirclement, but it's not possible, I guess, to like eliminate it without uh, securing Harikov. You have a lot of troops for all that so you need yeah. to and free maybe Zapor- uh, yeah. and maybe Zaporozhye as well actually there was a obvious lack of attacks on the lower Dnieper river area. Mm-hmm. but if it is achieved this encirclement it would mean that numbers vary from what I hear between 45 and 70 thousand uh, of the best Ukrainian soldiers and more or less the only really combat ready troops they have left right. so that would basically mean game over mm, so probably a week from now it will happen it's hard to predict i mean yeah. yeah i think two to seven days i guess it depends on a lot of factors well do you think that uh, the new bayraktars will change the game in any way or any other uh, western supplies I mean, I don't know how many Bayraktars, I don't know how many new Bayraktars they brought, but first 12 were were destroyed yeah. pretty fast. I mean, I think like three or four were shot down on the first day. Uh, some were destroyed on the ground. And I haven't uh, heard anything in the last two days about uh, was... any Ukrainian airstrikes. So... I don't know. I don't. But I don't think it will really change anything. I mean, the Russian army seems extremely confident, sending huge convoys through the land. I mean, like <laughs> does. That, I mean, like, like this one on route to Kiev that is like sixty kilometers long. I mean, they wouldn't do that if they yeah. weren't completely sure of their one hundred percent air superiority. Yeah. And regarding the and regarding the infantry weapons, I mean. I've already seen a lot of pictures of uh, Donetsk People's Republic soldiers posing with those uh, javelins and and laws, yeah, and laps. So I'm not sure how much that will really change anything. It doesn't seem like it does have any real big impact. Well, we'll see. Actually, uh, yeah. in the in the announcement today, uh, General Konoshenkov he also said that. Um, a Russian tank was hit with a javelin, but it kept fighting on and mm. uh, destroyed two Ukrainian tanks after it was hit by a javelin. So I, yeah. I'm not sure like how uh, how effective these weapons are in a real combat situation in the hands of... It was kind of shitty in Call of Duty, I remember that. <laughs> so <laughs> there's proofs that all, you all need to know. Right, and uh, another thing is, this also happened today, uh, there are reports, so there was a helicopter flying uh, toward Odessa Oblast, and it is, um, one of the theories is that it was 
the leadership of Odessa Oblast uh, negotiating with the Russian army, mm -hmm. probably uh, about a peaceful surrender of the city. Wasn't and, uh, the mayor changed? Yes, and uh, not the mayor, uh, but the gubernator, the governor, governor of Odessa yeah. Oblast. Uh, it was some kind of grey nobody who had a reputation for being vaguely pro-Russian, and he was changed for the former commander of Aidar Battalion, another gang of psychopathic war criminals. Aidar uh, really sounds uh, sounds Tatar. I don't remember what the word is from, but yeah, it sounds Tatar. Uh, Maxim Marchenka. He was put in charge of the military administration that replaced the governor of Odessa Oblast. So if it's true that uh, Odessa Oblast leadership was um, negotiating with the Russian army, then I guess change in governors was an attempt to stop these negotiations. Yeah. Um, the mayor of Odessa, Trukhanov, he is... Uh, a very moderate person. I think he's uh, smart, and I'm sure that if he's allowed to, if he's not incapacitated in any way, he will figure out a way to save the city of Odessa from being subjected to heavy fighting. It feels like uh, Odessa is a very conflicted city because there is a lot of Russian patriots, but also mm -hmm. Ukrainian patriots, right? Uh, like it radical is, it ones. Is. Um, so yes. So basically, Odessa was a 80% pro-Russian city in 2014. And then, of course, the events of May 2nd, uh, 2014 happened. Many pro-Russians just left the city. Many were killed. Many went to fight in Donbass. Yeah, some yeah. state. I think it's about 50-50 at this point, right? I'm not sure. I, I can't really say. It's very difficult to estimate. Yeah, it is, it is. Uh, after the barrage of propaganda that was uh, heaping on the populace for eight years, it's really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, there are no Ukrainian channels, right? Because they keep um, or not? Yeah, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I think most of Ukrainian TV is paralyzed after the strikes. TV, the Kiev TV tower was uh, struck. Also, um, the Lysychansk TV tower was struck, the Kharkov TV tower was struck. Lysychansk really makes a historical justice when it will come under our control. Uh, because mm -hmm. uh, Lysychansk is the home city of uh, Mazgavoy, Lysy yes. Mazgavoy. So yeah, it really uh, has a lot of uh, 2014 vibes. You know, I was reading today about like Sparta, uh, the Sparta battalion and the Donbass battalion fighting in Volnovakha. That literally sounds like news from 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like the Lindemann says uh, that we are stuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, culture is stuck. Uh, culture is stuck, yeah. But also in Russia, uh, Echo of Moscow and uh, the TV channel Rain have stopped broadcasting. Have you heard that? Mm -hmm, yeah, they were, uh, yeah, I've heard. Yeah, some yeah they were the, silenced. Some of the more vicious uh, Western propaganda channels have been shut down. Yeah, it's really interesting because for th 30 years, especially Echo of Moscow, was uh, channeling the Western propaganda in Russia. Uh, also, it was funded by Gazprom, Gazprom Media. Yeah. It was uh, a very weird then, yeah. situation, really, uh, because uh, that <laughs> made me very unpatriotic 
at uh, some time in the past because uh, well I, I realized that uh, things like echo of moscow or yeltsin center in ekaterinburg it's all funded by the government right mm-hmm. uh, and uh, well <laughs> what's the reason to like uh, support it at all and now they are finally becoming patriotic it's really uh, q vibes right there <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a lot of things are changing and uh, it's a really exciting time. So we will be trying to keep you up to date on the Ukrainian war happenings or otherwise uh, Russian attitudes to it and uh, the Western response. Yes, let's hope that uh, the conflict will end sooner than later. Yeah.